It may have been Valtteri Bottas who took pole for the Brazilian Grand Prix, but it was Lewis Hamilton who stole the show by charging through the field like a bull that had seen red. Uh, welcome back to the 150th Grid Talk podcast. My name is Lou Edwards and I'll be your host as we look back on the sprint race for the Sao Paulo Grand Prix, which is qualifying, but it's, it, it's also a race because of points awarded. Anyway... Joining me today is Tom Downey from the Everything F1 podcast. Good evening. And Steve Jackson from the Formula Shakedown. Good morning. So, as I said, it was Valtteri Bottas who took what some may have thought would have been an unlikely poll uh, today, Tom. Um, he started on the soft tyres rather than the mediums, which looked favourable, but it ended up working out for him. Yeah, um, also from here on in, I'm going to call Valtteri Bottas Senor Porridge. Um, so just FYI. Yeah, uh, awesome start for um, for Mr. Oatman today. He, the way that Mercedes just absolutely sent it off the line. Um, yeah, he, he just launched in, into first pass for Stappen. And he, he, he basically just sat out front and... Just, just, just controlled it really well. He, um, he held Max back because I said I think Max will be passing by about lap twenty. I was expecting the tires to die. I was expecting Bottas to drop off, but no, Bottas really held on. He really kept Max behind him, and I was really, really impressed. Yeah, it was it was a mega effort because Max um, did get close. Steve, he was within DRS midway through the race. He then backed off and then just couldn't seem to close the gap again to get an overtake. Yeah, because he he got to well within a second with about six laps to go and he backed off again. And I thought he was just um, recharging and letting his tyres and brakes cool down. But he never really made steps back in towards him. And I do wonder whether Red Bull are being a wee bit cautious themselves now, now that we've got, what, three races races to go after tomorrow – um, and they've just settled for, you know, a, a basically a guaranteed second, pa- second place. The, 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 the tricky thing with the, the sprint race format for me is that it, it, it's not particularly exciting to watch, but what it does give us a good indication of is what these cars will perform, uh, will perform like with a bit more fuel in them, uh, rather than a handful of laps with, for, for just qualifying. So based on what we've seen, I'm not sure Red Bull have the, long-term pace to compete and that's obviously going to put a bit of pressure on Max and we've seen it in the past when Max has pressure on himself he is prone to errors um I mean I think that goes for every driver but he's got a championship to win they do have the momentum there you know um within sort of sniffing range of constructors and he's got what uh, 20 points or so uh maybe a wee bit more uh over uh over Lewis I'll have to double check but um yeah, it was interesting to see him just sort of get to within that second or, or, or thereabouts and then just not get any further. And I do wonder if there is going to be a bit of, um, uh, not panic, but a bit of head scratching at Red Bull tonight to see how they can make this work strategy-wise because Mercedes have sort of you know, swung things back in their favour after uh, today's performance. Yeah, but, but Tom, at the end of the day, it's two more points. Uh, for Max Verstappen, further in his advantage over Lewis Hamilton. And, um, you know, it's <laughs> you still got it all to do tomorrow. Let's face it, there's still 71 laps of racing, actual racing, um, going on um, tomorrow. 
but there is there must be a bit of worry from from Red Bull that they just couldn't seem to um, match. Well, they couldn't get past Bottas, and Hamilton's going to be a charge through the field tomorrow. Yeah, if if I was Red Bull, I'd be sitting there just a bit nervous about what um, what's what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't think it's going to be quite as sort of cut and dry as we think because I think the part of the reason Bottas got ahead effectively was yes he had a super super launch like I said um, as did as did Hamilton in the other Merck and Carlos Sainz that matter but um, he he got enough of a good launch to get at least somewhat level with Max and then by the time they arrived at turn one. He effectively had the inside line, so it so it was a, it was almost like a case of chicken, and then Bottas was quick enough to, to go ahead anyway. So tomorrow, Red Bull will probably be focusing a bit more on getting a really good launch for, for Max, making sure that he's at least alongside Hamilton going into turn two. Um, they're going to need Perez to keep Hamilton at bay as much as they can tomorrow because. Hamilton is in with a good shot of a podium. Um, but in terms of like Red Bull versus Mercedes tomorrow, I think we could argue it's advantage Mercedes, um, even with the sort of double blow for Hamilton this weekend. It is far from over. It is far, far from over. And if anybody even thinks of writing off Hamilton for this championship, rather fool them. Yeah, we'll get on to uh, Hamilton in not very long. But uh, Steve, Tom touched on the sort of the role that Paris has got to play tomorrow. We also got to mention the role that Bottas has got to play tomorrow. If he is able to get ahead of Max, it is going to be imperative that he keeps him behind and doesn't let Max um, disappear off into the distance. Well, that's. I think that'll be the. Um the sort of trick that Mercedes will want to play. Like if, if Valtteri can do what he did today and that was a, that was an immensely powerful start um, that he had, then he's got the freedom to, to, you know, hold Max at bay. I'm not too sure what it's, I mean, it's, it's 71 laps, as you say, there's a, there's a, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's an hour and a half. Um, so there's a lot of potential for, uh, for, for things to change, but I'm not, a hundred percent confident in Red Bull's ability to actually, you know, directly fight with Mercedes. So they'll have to, you know, adopt a strategy of their own to try and to try and force their hand. But you know, Bottas was incredibly dominant today. So he's clearly got, you know, some decent race pace with, you know, sort of one third, maybe a wee bit over um, fuel load. So it's a good indication of where that car is going to be tomorrow when we get into the later stages of the race, especially. So once there's more fuel in that Mercedes, it may change things again. We've seen that the Mercedes has really good single lap pace, but once, you know, once the fuel's in, things tend to level out a wee bit with the, with Red Bull. Um, it is technically a high altitude circuit so Red Bull you know do you know that that might give them some confidence but it's nowhere near as um up in the clouds as as Mexico so it is a wee bit more level and historically we've seen Mercedes do quite well here apart from 2019 when it all went a wee bit wrong for them um and uh, and Max won that year so there's it's really hard to call but I think Mercedes do have the initiative and they will be leaning heavily on Bottas to basically just 
hold them up and give Lewis a chance to get within a sort of good undercut zone and just play games with strategy. I think that's the only thing they, they can lean on at the moment. Yeah, you do mention 2019. I was going to bring it up with it being a slightly more high altitude. Uh, Bottas's engine did go a bit bang in, in 2019. So that may uh, that may influence Mercedes' strategy, but uh, with Bottas on pole, they very much do have the, um, the front foot. Um, next, Tom, I want to talk about Carlos Sainz. Yes, um, started on the soft tyre, um, like Bottas, got a mega start, even probably a, more of a mega start than, uh, than Bottas did. Um, grabbed three uh, P3 off um, Sergio Perez and managed to hold him back despite Perez being on his back for the entire race, qualifying race. Yeah, um... Also, uh, just a side, I just want to pick up on um, um, what you said about Bottas and strategy and with his engine going bang. He's had so many new engines this year, it can't go bang tomorrow. There's no chance. Um, but going back to going back to Carlos Sainz, yeah, what a start. What a launch he had. I, I don't know if it's because he was he was driving a Ferrari cad with soft tyres as opposed to mediums or what, but he absolutely flew off the start. He he was up to seconds at one point, or was or was almost up to second. I can't remember if he actually made it past Hamilton and, and then uh, sorry, past Verstappen, and if then Verstappen and passed him. He did actually get past it. He did. Yeah, um, yeah, and then Max went back round, in which he's kind of expect. But yeah, an absolutely scintillating performance from Science today. He really held off Perez. And I think we were all expecting the soft eyes to burn up, but signs once again underrated, and I think underappreciated and not shown enough on on the TV coverage. Um, he he really really put in a shift today, and he's put that Ferrari in a good position for some good points tomorrow. He's picked up a constructors point as well for the Ferrari, which is a big leap in the in the. Um, in the fight for third, because that has swung Ferrari's way recently. Um, he's doing all the right things. He's he's doing all the right moves. Um, yeah, I was really impressed with him again today. Yeah, it was a mega job by Sainz, and you rightly bring up the constructors battle um, with McLaren. You know, Steve, that's with Sainz. You know, in P three, the Clay in P seven, Norris in P six, and Ricardo in eleventh. Again, it looks like it's going to be another week where Ferrari are going to further increase their hot, you know, that gap uh, to McLaren and strengthen their hold on P3 and the constructors. Yeah, they're um, 14 and a half points clear or thereabouts, I think, now. Um, that power unit upgrade is obviously works. They took a wee bit of a hit. Um, I think it was back in Sochi or thereabouts where they started to roll that out. And I think they gave it to Charlie first. But um, yeah, it works. Um, it's a fast Ferrari again. Who who would have thought we'd see that this year? It was um they've they've come an extremely long way since um since twenty nineteen and obviously I think twenty twenty they'd rather just move on from. They've done very well with the very limited scope of um you know upgrades that they can actually introduce to these cars and what's very much a, a sort of holding pattern year for everyone. I know that's a it's a, just a cliche that's absolutely dead now, like everyone uses it. But and it, like they have made significant pro- progress with a car that was fundamentally flawed. It was based on their car from last year, which was just an absolute dog. We all we all saw how how you know poorly that went. Um, the only thing that Ferrari really need to 
polish up on now like they've got two fantastic drivers they've clearly got a car that works in certain conditions i don't think it's got the outright pace to um to compete uh on very fast circuits like mexico and um like you know the, like this jetta circuit is going to be interesting to see how they go but in a slightly more balanced circuit like um sao paulo the car's very quick um the only thing they need to do now is actually sort their damn strategy out because they still shoot themselves in the foot um they'll put themselves into these amazing qualifying or not qualifying or race but you know race positions and then it all sort of falls apart so they've got potential and capacity to to you know take advantage of the fact that they've got uh they've basically got the more potent mclaren driver sandwiched between the two of them um and i mean like with all due respect to ricardo he's he's obviously had a bit of a shaky season and that's not i don't think that's a reflection on the quality of his driving i think that's just a reflection on it's a very different car to drive compared to what he's used to so mclaren are sort of fighting this now with one hand tied behind their back um and ferrari have now got that initiative they're you know they're like i said they're 14 and a half points clear so this could be the race that determines the outcome of that third place in constructors so they need to you know make sure that they're actually in a position to you know, to take advantage of any, you know, early pit stops that McLaren decide to make to try and, you know, run them long on hards or something like that. Um, it, you know, the, it's, it's, it's tricky to call, but I think that Ferrari have now got this in the bag. They'd need to have a pretty dire couple of weekends for it to swing back in McLaren's favour. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's far from over, but, uh, you know, just like the sort of the main championship, we still don't know what's going to happen. Um, we'll move sort of quickly on to fourth place, Tom. Sergio Perez started third, lost out at the beginning um, of, I'm going to just say it, the race. Um, then just sat behind signs for um, the entire race, didn't really make any progress. Um, he's going to have to step up tomorrow and try and get ahead of um signs if he wants to help his teammate yeah um it wasn't brilliant from Perez today but i think red bull in general suffered from starting on the mediums when all those around them started on the softs and i think that did cost them today um i think it did cost perez and whilst he could have definitely gone for a move to get past signs um, I do wonder if, much like Verstappen there, they Red Bull sort of thinking of the long game and it's like, as much as it might be nice to see him try and send one up the inside or around the outside of um, of Carlos Sainz, they're probably thinking, well, we'd rather have you start P4 that, than, than have you spin or have you crash and have you start P18 or start from the pit lane. Because he had an incident in the first sprint event in... Um, in Silverstone where he spun and then he started the race from the back and then just had a generally torrid weekend. No, Red Bull had a torrid weekend that weekend regardless. Um, and they're probably thinking of the wrong again. They're thinking of the Constructors' Championship and they're going to be thinking, we need you up there to help Max, to, to hold off anybody who's behind you, try and hold off Hamilton. Um, bit of a role reversal from last week in, in Mexico. Um He's got a he's got a pretty tough job to do tomorrow, I'd say, because uh, you know, I'll talk about Gunnar Hamilton in a moment. He's going to be charging through the field like he's 
you know, you know, like he's sipped some Red Bull and mixed it with some of Bottas's porridge or something. But he's going to be, you know, he, he's he's going to be on one. And Perez needs to keep him at bay for as long as he can. So Max can, if Max can get past Bottas straight away, Max can sail off into the distance. Or if Max needs to get past Bottas, or even if someone else gets past Max, you know, if something happens, Max is going to need Perez behind him, basically sort of creating a roadblock, if you like. But I think uh, into Lagos, that's going to be difficult. Yeah, uh, as, we've, as we've seen today, into Lagos is a track where overtaking is quite easy. Um, and keeping someone at bay is, is a lot easier said than done, um, even with today's um, cars. But Steve, we'll move on to the driver of the day, if there was one. Um, <laughs> Lewis Hamilton, he was disqualified from yesterday's qualifying um, for reasons I imagine everybody knows by now. Um, but it didn't stop him. He <laughs> went from P20 to P5, in was it how many laps it was 20 24, 24 laps. laps 24 yeah and we have um despite the fact he has a five place grid penalty tomorrow which will put him in 10th he's then got 71 laps to um to try and take the lead is that is it possible yeah <laughs> um yeah absolutely uh i think we've seen the perfect demonstration of what happens when you back someone like Lewis Hamilton into a corner. Um, the technical infringement side of things, well, I, th- I think we'll come to that in post race because I've got I've got some thoughts around that. But you know that that aside, twentieth to fifth in twenty four laps with no stop for tires no sort of variation strategy it's literally just put your foot down and go for 24 laps they they feel these things a wee bit heavier than what they need to be able to just run them like at full chat for the whole sprint not race so he's been on it for the whole time and it's paid off that was i'm so it's i'm not a lewis hamilton supporter i i, I he is Honestly, the best driver we've we've seen in the sport. I like. There's no doubt about that. But I I I support other drivers. But what I saw today was just, boah, to to quote, to quote Kimmy. Um, uh, yeah, really, really incredible performance. And the thing that the thing that sort of surprised me as well. At no point did he look like he was on the ragged edge. That was a very controlled drive. It was very patient. Apart from that send up the inside of Lando Norris into T1. That was just. That was amazing. I, I think I actually I left the live recording and rewound that and watched it about three times. It was just I could not understand how we managed to go from that far back and stop the car in time to hold the actual inside line into T one as well. He gave he gave Lando no choice. Um and gave him plenty of room as well. Like he was uh, it was just I've got nothing bad to say about Lewis's drive today. Um it's very rare that I do. Like he's he, you know, we've seen mistakes from him this year and he's He's put his hand up and admitted to those. Um, but if he's not absolutely chuffed with what he achieved today, I don't know what would make him happy because that was just one of the – that's probably up there with driver of the year for me. In fact, that would be up there for drive of, like, you know, in the last decade. 
um, that would be right up there with Jensen Button in, the, in Canada in 2011 or whenever it was when he stopped like 1600 times. That was just that was that was mega. I, I might actually once we finish this, I might actually go back and watch the um, not not sprint race again. It was that good. Yeah, there was a certainly the the most amount of overtaking that was happening in this um in this uh not you know not race um but you tom you gotta admire just just how good uh hamilton was he was making it look easy when you just driving on zero percent ai on the f1 game it was (laughs) it just looked too easy for him well i'm sure most people listening will know that i am a big max Verstappen fan but I cannot commend Lewis Hamilton enough for that drive today. He was P14 by turn one. Let's, yes, okay, they're too harsh to overtake, but he'd already passed Mazepin and Schumacher before they'd even gone, well, and and dropped the clutch. And then he was past the two Williams before they could even blink and before Latifi was into third gear. And then he was just hustling and bustling and... I did notice in the commentary they were saying, oh, he's going up behind Sonoda. Now that Alpha Tauri's, you know, not an easy car to pass two laps later. And Hamilton's moved up. And there was like, oh, he's kind of to Daniel Ricciardo. You know, Bottas struggled all last week. And he's passed him. It was just like, like Steve said, if you want to back any driver into a corner and you do it to Lewis Hamilton, expect good things. There is a reason that man is a seven-time world champion and has won the most races ever. And I'm not just going to say it's the car because it's not the car. He's done it in seasons when he's not had the best car, when he's had quite a bad car. 2009 springs to mind without McLaren. He is a fantastic driver. That drive today in that race, because it was a race, it wasn't qualifying, it was a race, fight me. It was just amazing. I was sitting there and I was thinking... Well, I can't say exactly what I was thinking because we'll get cancelled. Um, but it, but it was, it was just breathtaking to see him move through the field. And dare I say, if that would have been Valtteri Bottas, he'd have got stuck at about P14, P13. But Hamilton just dominated his way through the field. And I think the reason we don't see that enough of him is because he has been in a Mercedes, which has been a very, very, very good car since 2014, as we all know. He hasn't had to do that very much, but he he had to do it in the uh, was it the sprint in Italy this year or was it the main race last year? Um, I think it was the main race last year when he had a penalty, you know, to work his way back up through the fields in Monza. Yeah. Yes, it was because it was when Gas. Yeah, won. last year. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Well, we don't see these things very often from him because he doesn't have to do it very often, but every time he does it, it blows my mind mm. bearing in mind as well that's not a car that's designed to run in traffic it's no, that's a car that's designed to sit. traffic as well yeah. Yeah. that's a car that's designed to sit at the front because mercedes rightfully can expect to sit at the front because they have been so good since 2014 yeah it was thank you for coming to my ted talk <laughs> yeah, it was it was truly a, it was truly a great performance from Lewis Hamilton, and honestly, I think uh, both Steve and Thomas said it. I'm also not uh, a Lewis Hamilton fan. It's probably the only episode of an F1 podcast outside of the Netherlands where you'll hear this. But um, yeah, I think we're all completely in awe of what Lewis Hamilton um, was able to do today. Um, 
we'll uh, move on to P6, which was Lando Norris. You did, uh, Steve, make a, an epic move of his own on, um, on Charles Leclerc. That um, little battle between those two was, was huge, not just for Lando get, um, gaining places in the, in the sprint race, but also, as we were mentioned earlier, it puts him between both of the Ferraris. It doesn't allow them to just both sail into the distance in tomorrow's race. Yeah, I mean, good. Yeah, good. Uh, good sixth place result for uh, for the birthday boy on a not qualifying session. Uh, sorry, a not race. I keep getting confused. See, this is the problem. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, that um, that uh, that we tussle we had with uh, Charles was really good. And the, the the thing I liked about it is they gave each other plenty of space, but they were still very very aggressive towards each other. And that's the that's I think that's something that a lot of people forget when they're talking about a certain other driver um, that he's very aggressive. But he, he you know, that, that you can be aggressive and clean at the same time. I mean, Fernando Alonso is also another, you know, another very, you know, a very good example of that. He's super rapid and uncompromising, but he typically doesn't punt people out of the way. Or I mean, he has recently, but we'll gloss over that. Um, but with, yeah, with this battle between McLaren and Ferrari. I mean, like it's I'm sort of surprising myself by saying this. He has probably got the less, in my opinion, the less threatening Ferrari driver behind him. I think Carlos is the bigger threat at this stage of the season. Um he's just I don't know what's happened to him. He's, you know, had extra spicy meatballs added to his breakfast or something. It's just he's incredibly rapid. So I think if um if Lando's able to keep Charles behind him, which is which is likely, I mean, we we you know Lando definitely had the initiative with the um, with the race today and um, sort of I think sort of put Charles in his place. Um, you know, if he if he can clear Charles and gap him a wee bit and not give him the opportunity to to undercut, then that's a you know that's probably the best they can hope for. I mean, his teammates down in uh, down in eleventh, and you know. Unless there's some sort of early race incident, which you know, you know, we get a we get a safety car or, um, you know, anything like that, I don't see Daniel making steps early on. Um, he's typically come, you know, he's typically sort of, you know, uh, been a been a been more of a a late race player. So, um, yeah, I mean, good uh, good result for for Lando. I don't think it's um as good as it could be, considering just how quick that car has been you know, um, for, for most of the season. But um, Ferrari have just made steps in the last few rounds, which I don't think McLaren quite expected. And considering we're going into a brand new set of regulations next year with these new cars, it's very likely that McLaren pulled the pin on this year's car a handful of races ago and they've just been drip-feeding minor updates. Whereas I think Ferrari are obviously still very invested in trying to nail that third place, with, you know, hence the new power units. And it's good testing for them for next year as well. And those power units are going to be around until, you know, 2026, 20, I think it is now. So um, they're obviously investing in something a wee bit longer term, whereas Ferrari, that's, whereas McLaren might be sort of switching their focus or they may have switched their focus to next year, um, you know, by sort of mid-season, which isn't surprising at all. Yeah, especially with the how much uh, change there is coming next year. It's it's not the most unwise move. Also, fourth place means um, they would have more wind tunnel time than Ferrari um, due to this new, all the new rulings that come in. Um, so maybe a benefit. We're not obviously saying that McLaren aren't doing that, by the way. Um, <laughs> but um, P7 for Charles Leclerc, Tom. 
it's not the worst um, position he can be in. It's it's within the points. He's got Daniel Ricciardo down in eleventh. You know, realistically, he can push on from here, get solid points, and and call itself you know a good weekend. He could do. Um, I could have been honest. I, with all the sort of hype in front of him with Hamilton coming through, I kind of miss what happened just to Charlotte Claire this weekend. Oh, I say this weekend today. Um, I, I did see him having a bit of a scrap with uh, with some of the McLaren's at some point. He's in a good position for tomorrow. Um, you, you refer to him as the more threatening Ferrari driver, which I think is fair because. Carlos does come across as uber nice and perhaps not quite as aggressive on track. Um, and, and we've certainly seen Leclerc be quite aggressive on track before, which is no bad thing, by the way. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know, <laughs> don't know what's had an awful lot because he was sort of fairly anonymous today, surrounded by what was going on around him, that is. Um, but if he gets a good launch tomorrow, could get past them, um, could get past McLaren's, could be sort of nipping on the heels of fifth. Might cause a bit of an issue for Hamilton tomorrow. Um, you know, he, you know, he, he's. I think he's going to be. I think he and he and his teammate Simon are going to be playing the team game tomorrow. I think it's going to be. I think they're going to be thinking more about the constructors more than anything. So I think they'll probably go for a slightly solid race, as opposed to something uber spectacular, unless something out of the blue happens. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's quite obvious that the goal for Ferrari is to get through P3 and keeping both cars in the points is the best way to do that. Um, someone who had, I guess you could call maybe a slightly disappointing sprint race, and Pierre Gasly um, qualified amazingly yesterday. Um, he was P5, I believe, and then also then got bumped up to P4 after Hamilton's disqualification. But can only manage... P8 today, and um, for much of it, he was being hounded by the Alpine of Esteban Ocon. It is, you know, <laughs> I don't know what you really can say. It it may only be the sprint race, but it doesn't doesn't look good for AlphaTauri, especially when they're fighting with Alpine for fifth place in the constructors. Yeah, they are now level on points too, um, 106 each. So, um, you know, it's it's it, that's all still very much up in the air. I mean, most of I think most of that sort of um, uh, top six in the way of constructors is very hard to determine at the moment. Um, but with uh, yeah, with with Pierre, we didn't really see too much of him. Um, I think he just got a less than ideal start and um, spent most of his time, as you said, defending from Esteban Ocon. So he didn't really have the capacity to start hunting down. Uh, hunting down Charles, he, f- he finished around 11 seconds down the road behind the Ferrari as well. So I don't think he would have been much of a threat, even if um, Ocon was further behind him. Ocon finished less than half a second behind him too. So I think a- another lap or two and he would have had him too. So it's, um, yeah, it, it's a bit of a bit of a tricky one, this, because Yuki Tsunoda is coming good but he's still got a lot of work to do. Um, so again, it's a, it's a bit like what McLaren are experiencing with with their driver pairing. It's you know uh, Pierre is doing most of the heavy lifting, and Yuki's obviously nailed some you know bagged some points for them as well, and nailed some really good drives. But um, for the for, for the majority of the season, Pierre's been doing all this heavy lifting, and 
I wouldn't be surprised if it's um, a bit of late season fatigue. I mean, we're we're at the end of another, um, uh, or sorry, you know, we're in the in the in the midst of another triple header at the moment as well. Um, and a lot of these guys are up until stupid o'clock on Friday morning, trying to get their cars built that didn't arrive until Thursday afternoon. Which is, you know, it, it's been a bit of a weird weekend for a lot of these for a lot of teams. And the drive, like something that a lot of people don't. Um, don't necessarily see is that the drivers are still very much involved with the behind the scenes um, activities of the teams as well. They've got, you know, besides the media duties, they actually do get quite involved with um, the, you know, the setup discussions, the strategy planning, that sort of thing, because they are, you know, they are the bum in the seat at the end of the day that has to drive the car. So, um, you know, we are seeing um, some strange fluctuations and some late charges from certain drivers and, the, the the Alpine has been a bit of a strange car in which it's always hard to call how it's going to go. Um, but AlphaTauri, uh, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they've been relatively consistent, but this isn't the sort of result they're wanting. Um, I think the only thing they can hope for is that, you know, if, um, if, if Pierre can stay with... Charles and he starts tripping over Lando and, you know, he can take advantage of being squabbling and, you know, maybe jump back up into, you know, fifth, sixth position. That'd be good. But I can't really see them progressing beyond there. It doesn't look like it's been a particularly uh, stellar weekend for them so far, besides that qualifying performance. Yeah, uh, I guess tomorrow's a long race. We'll just have to, to wait and see. But, you know, for... Um, Esteban Ocon, Tom, you know, this is quite encouraging. He's in the top 10. He's right behind, you know, a car which he needs to be beating. It's clear that the Alpine does have better pace than what we've been seeing, um, especially over the last few weekends. You know, this this could be good for Alpine. This could this could actually tend to be a really positive weekend. Yeah, um, Ocon's in a really good place with tomorrow. Um, how does it work with uh, um, tyre allocations fresh this tires. weekend? Fresh tyres. Um... It, it, it is just fresh tyres, free choice for all, is it? Yeah. Okay, lovely. So I, I hadn't even thought of that until I started speaking, hence the slowdown. Um, yeah, so so Ocon, you know, I, I wonder how many people will start on softs compared to mediums tomorrow. Um, he could, you know, if... I'm going to sound a bit like a broken record. If if he gets a good launch, if he can get himself ahead of the Alfa Tari early on, um, and if then Fernando sort of ha, you know, has, has a decent start behind him, Alpine could really be game on for getting getting a jump on Alfa Tari in, in the standings, which at one point I wasn't entirely sure would happen. Um, but but as, as, as Rocco himself, he, 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 he did a decent job today. He's in a very good position for tomorrow. I think P10 is probably roughly where you could expect that at, um, uh, that Renner to be. And now I'm wondering if that Renner power unit is not as strong compared to the Ferrari unit. I know I've been saying earlier in the season that I thought the Ferrari unit was the worst. Now I'm leaning towards that Renner sport unit being the worst. But also we don't have any other teams to compare it with because obviously Renner don't have any customer teams. Um, and we all know who the Ferrari customer teams are, so it's not apples to apples. Um, so hopefully Ocon can get a decent launch. 
if he's uh, he's starting on the, I think he's starting on the left hand side of the grid as well. So because if because if he's P ten, is even numbers P nine. So he'll be oh, he's P nine. Is he sorry? No. A, he'll go up. He'll go up a place because of Hamilton's penalty. So oh, of course, because Hamilton's penalty. Okay, right. Yeah. So, so P eight. Okay. All oh, right. Okay. So, so, so he, he is starting on the inside just to space out from from what yeah. I thought. So I confused myself then. I, I, I apologise to our listeners. Um, but so, so if he does get a good launch, he'll have the inside line going into two and one, much like Bottas did today. So, yeah, he could be in a very good position for tomorrow. I'm, uh, I'm quite looking forward to that. Yeah, he definitely does need to take advantage of it. And, um, of course, he'll be looking in his mirrors for Max Verstappen tomorrow if uh, if Mercedes' strategy does uh, go a bit um, A-wire. But uh, rounding up the top 10 for the for the sprint today uh, was Sebastian Vettel in the um, in the Aston Martin. Um, he's not had a bad uh, bad weekend so far. He's He was ahead of Stroll in the qualifying. He's, again, ahead of Stroll here in... Not looking in the worst of shape. Yeah, um, pretty good performance considering just how up and down that car is. Um, Seb's, uh, I mean, most of his race was just being stuck in the middle of that DRS train with uh, Gasly and Ocon and Ricardo, and I think there was Alonso there or thereabouts as well. So um, we've seen it a million times with these DRS freight trains. They're just that it's. It becomes a bit of a procession. Any sort of passing is entirely opportunistic or, you know, based on somebody ahead of you having a mistake. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, considering um, Lance hasn't really looked all that threatening all, all weekend. I mean, if if Seb's able to, you know, keep within the keep within the top ten, then um, you know, it's a good result for for Aston Martin. They're, they're they're in a bit of a no man's land in terms of constructors. There, I think they're. I think they've got about 68 points. So they've got AlphaTauri ahead of them on 106 or whatever it is and Williams behind them on 23. So I don't, they, they I think they, 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 they're probably very aware of the fact that that's, you know, seventh is what they can expect unless something drastic happens, which I mean, we've seen plenty of first this year with Formula One, but that would be a bit of a stretch, I think, even for my imagination. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Pretty good result. He qualified 11th, so gained a place. I think that was just in the the early Malay before that tri- that DRS train developed. Um, but the cat, like the the car doesn't look slow. Um, and Seb is a uh, you know he's wily, he's fighty, he's you know he, he enjoys a bit of actual wheel to wheel driving too. So there's opportunities there. Um, the Alpine is um, uh, you know that's a you know they've they've had plenty of on track. Uh, squabbles before so it can compete with those cars and that sort of in that mid pack quite comfortably um i think aston martin's major issue um i'm again going to sound like a stat record because i think this is about the millionth time i've said this they're still paying a bit of a price for you know developing a car based on another car and they may not necessarily have a uh, intimate understanding of of how it works and in, in various conditions and at various circuits so um they've effectively got themselves to blame but they have done all they can to to try and you know correct the trajectory they were on at the start of the year when it was looking quite grim so um yeah fair play seb's obviously enjoying himself it's nice seeing seb just sort of comfortable with his uh 
with his driving and just where he is in terms of his uh, career. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if he can keep his head screwed on, stay out of trouble, um, we could expect a top 10 result for Seb tomorrow. I don't think we could say the same for Lance, though. He's, sort of, he's looking a wee bit further, further away. Yeah, Lance did have a very disappointing um, qualifying in which himself was incredibly angry about. But uh, P11, Tom, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, he did a fairly all right job in qualifying yesterday. However, got a really poor start, dropped like an absolute stone. And as Stephen mentioned, got caught up in that DRS train and had no hope of really getting forward. Yeah, it was um, it was more a sort of Danny Rick esque performance of pre summer break. Sadly, he um, you just couldn't really sort of break that DRS train that you mentioned. He was just he was just effectively stuck. Um, like you said, didn't go off the line very well. Got passed by uh, by a few cars around him, and then just got stuck. Couldn't move. Couldn't really do anything. Um, I don't think it's giving him a particularly good omen for tomorrow. Um, and from memory, I don't... Has he ever been on the podium in Brazil before? Not that I'm thinking he will, but I'm just trying to think of how well he's gone here in the past. I don't remember him doing spectacular things in the past in um, in, in, in Brazil anyway. You know, he, he might have had like a couple of P5s or something. I, again, I may be wrong, but yeah, I don't... I don't foresee him doing a particularly good job tomorrow, sadly, which is a shame because he did do the initial qualifying yesterday. He finished out in a decent position. Um, but yeah, sadly, slipped back, not made it easy for himself tomorrow. Um, and he's got Lewis Hamilton just, just ahead of him as well. So, you know, so, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him either. You know, maybe slip down a bit further because realistically, Hamilton's probably going to get a decent launch in front of him, um, which then might sort of give whoever's P12 a sort of, you know, sort of like a bit of a gap or something. Danny Rick might just be, um, might be a grim day at the office and certainly not to McLaren any favours in the constructors. Yeah, uh, certainly. And behind him, Steve, he's got Fernando Alonso. Um, we're used to seeing Fernando get some rocket starts in these sprint um, sprint races. However, it wasn't wasn't to be today. Um, yeah, he was right on the back of that DRS um, train. Um, he was lucky to have you know actually make it to the end, considering the uh, what the two Alfa Romeos decided to do uh, right in front of him. But uh, it's a place where he can push on. He's not too far outside the top ten. So if anything is to happen in front, there is opportunity. Yeah, ninth to twelfth with uh, nothing really to show for it in between isn't a particularly good um, good result. I, I don't think that's Fernando's fault necessarily. I mean, it's um, again he's sort of fallen victim to um, to you know the the DRS train which he was at the very tail end of. So he's sort of you know it's probably the worst position you can be in. And he had, uh, I mean, he had a bit of a gap to um, Geo behind him as well. I think. Um, around five seconds, five and a half seconds or something, something around there. Um, but yeah, not a, not a particularly good, um, good result. I mean, but somebody pointed out on uh, Twitter before we, uh, before we started this, that he, um, you know, he finished um, P1 in 
free practice too and he did um he was about three three and a half seconds off his qualifying time so just goes to show how pointless and uh you know unrepresentative those uh those p2 those uh, practice two sessions are in a weekends with the um sprint qualifying format but um uh, yeah it's <sighs> i think ocon started to show that he is you know he, he's obviously younger which is you know if you if you if you ask a professional racing driver if um, age slows you down, they'll say no. But I mean, we're you know that, that there is evidence that that is that is um, absolutely correct. But um, Ocon's um, been performing pretty well lately, um, and he's sort of you know showing Fernando up a wee bit. So I, I mean, Alonso's got a seat for next year, so he doesn't need to you know try too hard to prove himself he's a two-time world champion for god's sakes i mean he's 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 good but um yeah not the not the sort of performance that they'll want the only thing that he can probably hope for is getting you know getting stuck into the back of a a group of cars that may start tripping over themselves and you know fernando's probably the worst person to have behind you when it comes to defending from another driver so um yeah sao paulo is a good track to a you know a you know a affords a lot of opportunities to pass the alpine's not a terrible car it's just not um it's it's not fantastic it's sort of very middle of the road but he's in a middle of the road sort of position so you know we'll see um always hard to tell with fernando um i think we'll uh you know just wait and see what happens but yeah today wasn't a particularly good indication of their uh, longer run pace uh yeah, um, Giovinazzi was P13. Um, he was, yeah, got a bit of an incident with um, his his teammate Kimi Raikkonen, had a bit of a coming together, and Kimi was sent in a bit of spin, which is the last thing you really want to be doing when uh, your seat's on the line. <laughs> yeah, um, he, he did have a bit of a set too with Kimi, but also it was nice to see Gio sticking his nose in and effectively fighting for a position and he's he's fighting for a seat is what it boils down to you know I thought we'd have had this sort of done and dusted by now so he knows either way if he's coming or going I mean he might already know we don't know um but this uncertainty hanging over him is certainly not going to help he um yeah I, I I was I was impressed with you today um and I think Kimmy should have maybe taken a bit more care when he was turning in because he should have, especially in a sprint event like yesterday, you should almost expect someone to be there. And uh, and and Gio had every right to be there. So I don't think it was Gio's fault that Kimmy got punted off, if you ask me. Um I think it was a racing incident, if you can have a racing incident in qualifying, because it wasn't a race. Um, still not over that. Um, qualifying incident. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, but it's, uh, but yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was just, it was just, it was solid from, from Gio. He had a good qualifying anyway on Friday, and then the sprint quality race do that. Um, showdown if you like today was uh was was really good from Gio. I, I I thought I thought he did really well. Um because that car's not the best and he um he he took us to places where it arguably doesn't deserve to be. Yeah. Uh with all this sort of like quality racing inside I was 
I was kind of wondering uh, the fact that Sergio Perez can get past signs. I wonder if that's a illegal blocking from some signs. It's usually you have to you have to get out of the way during qualifying. But uh, anyway, P14 for for Lance Stroll, Steve. Really not great. He didn't have a great um, didn't have a great qualifying yesterday. He hasn't had a great sprint race today. Really showing that that Aston Martin is is far from an easy car to to get to grips with. Yeah, and he's um, Lance has uh, come good this year. I think. I mean, he's he's still got some work to do, and he's he you know he's not been in F one for overly long, but he's been around long enough. I think for us to um, to make conclusions uh, about the sort of level of driver he is. Um, it, it, yeah, he he is, in my opinion, a good midfield driver, but he's driving a car which is just you know uncooperative for a, you know a a good portion of the, or has been uncooperative, I should say, for a good portion of the year. Um, he's had Seb's number for, you know, a, a good few races this year. But, um, yeah, I'm just trying to think if he's ever had much success at Sao Paulo, and I don't think it's a circuit that he overly enjoys. Um, but, yeah, that qualifying um, effort was, uh, was not great. He did finish... One place to hit a where he qualified though, so he, you know, um, uh, qualified fifteenth. Well, actually, no, he technically he would have qualified fourteenth after Lewis got his penalty, so he's basically stayed stayed put. Um, so he finished fourteenth. He had Yuki Sonoda a couple of seconds behind him. Um, he wasn't that far off the back of Giovinazzi either, but I don't think he was in a position to to threaten him. Um, and Yuki, I don't think was uh, sort of in a position to to start start closing in on him either. So pretty lonely race for Lance, um, which is a shame because I, you know, for for the the grief he gets, and I'll put my hand up and say that I've given him a bit of crap in the past. He's you know he's a capable driver, um, and he's done some pretty impressive. Uh, he's put in some pretty impressive performances this year. He probably won't be including today on that list. So. See what happens tomorrow, um, but yeah, that Aston Martin's a bit, um, uh, a bit sort of just unpredictable. Um, you know, if a, if a driver like Seb can't, you know, consistently place that car, then you know, there's probably something wrong with the car. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. Um, yeah, you're saying Yuki Tsunoda wasn't going to be much of a threat. Well, it looked like Nicholas Latifi. It could have been a bit of a threat to um to Yuki Tsunoda to finish less than a second behind him. Um, but again, not the greatest performance we've ever seen from Yuki, and another one that he's going to be wishing that the race goes a lot better tomorrow. Yeah, um, where did he actually qualify in quali quali? Was he P12, I think he was, wasn't he? He went out in Q2, um, which is an improvement. Uh, was yeah. 12th, yeah. Yeah, which is an improvement on P16. Um, but it's not, you know, if half a tire are going to secure fifth over Alpine, it's not good enough. Um, I do feel like Sinner is getting a bit more consistent and he's not perhaps getting quite as swearing as hot-headed on the radio. Which is maybe helping him a bit, but um, but in in terms of uh, oh god, in 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 terms of today, yeah, he he just went backwards. Um, you know, I I wouldn't have expected that car to be passed by the Aston Martin. I know the Aston is a decent car, like you said, Steve. I do agree with you, but Yuki just 
just didn't have a good day at the office. Got passed by Hamilton, but you'd expect that. You know, you'd expect Hamilton to pass that sort of gang of six, seven cars, which he did without even blinking. Um, but Sonoda, you know, you'd like to have seen him put up at least some form of defence against Hamilton. Um, and yeah, he just not not a pretty day at the office. He's probably ready for the off season. To be fair, just just have a bit of time. I I, I think he needs more, not protection, but he he needs a bit more, perhaps a bit more support from Red Bull in the sense of it feels like he's sort of being left to try and figure it out on his own. You don't hear an awful lot about him in the news. If you look at the likes of like Landon Norris and all the rest of it, you see a lot of support for them from their teams, you know, publicly. Now, yeah, Red Bull could be doing it behind the scenes, but if it's been seen to do in public, that will change the public perception of him, and that will help his confidence, and that will that will help his, you know, you know, he he, he might have like anxiety or something for all I know, um, especially with people perhaps slating him, and you know, you can hear how frustrated he gets. On the radio, which I understand because, again, we all know how high pressure that Red Bull Junior program is. You know, we've seen it take its toll on the likes of Gasly and you know people like Sebastian Buemi and all the rest of it in the past. Um, so maybe a bit of public support from Red Bull wouldn't go amiss. You know, if um, if if Helmer could stop being a Sith Lord for a day and maybe look after some of his junior drivers, that that might certainly help. Um, as for the actual race, I've gone on a bit of a tangent there. As for the actual race tomorrow, um, he needs to get past, I'd say he needs to get past Lance Stroll or or, the, or Lance Stroll and Sonoda needs to get past Giovinazzi, but Giovinazzi also needs to stay ahead of them. Um, and then you've got the likes of Alonso and Ricardo. Realistically, Hamilton's going to be further up the grids, let, let's be real. So Seb will probably be dropping back a bit. And he then needs to be sort of trying to mix it into the points sort of into that sort of like P10, P9 kind of area if he really wants to make an impact. Yeah, just to add to what you said there as well, very quickly, Tom, it doesn't help when the uh, team principal of the team you're ultimately aiming to get into uses you as an excuse for a poor qualifying result. But, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's not going to do him any favours. And I'm a no. Rebel fan. That was bang out of order. Yeah, that, yeah. I, was, I was about to bring that up. It's like it, it may help if Christian Horner once in a while came out and said, <laughs> you know, the nice thing rather than blaming him for a qualifying error, which at the end of the day was not his fault um, at all. Uh, well, in my personal opinion, it was. It happens. It's not. It's not anything to shout about. No, no, absolutely. Um, so Steve, we'll move on to the um, the two Williams because they were 16th and 17th. Uh, Latifi ahead of Russell um, for two days in a row now. It's, it's probably a record. Yeah, it's, shock it's, horror. Yeah, I know. George must be having one of his um, off days because Mr. Saturday he didn't really turn up and he didn't really have a, much opportunity to turn up today. But... No, Mr. Mr. Saturday has not had a Saturday to, uh, to remember at all. Um, yeah. Weird to see Nick actually get him twice on a weekend. So like you'd you'd expect um you I mean you'd expect at least one of the two to swing back in George's favour, but um neither Williams has looked particularly you know uh you know particularly quick. Um just having a quick look at the session times, I mean, they've sort of they've they've sort of floated around 
the tail end of the growth. I mean, um, I won't go over the FP2 because it's just absolutely irrelevant in my opinion. But I mean, they were 17th and 18th in free practice one. Latifi was ahead of uh, Russell in that session as well by not much at all. Um, less than less than a second. Uh, well, um, less than a tenth of a second, I should say. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been advantage net for most of the weekends. I mean, qualifying, uh, qualifying as teammate by um, uh, where are we? Uh, by well, um, half tenth. Um, yeah, it's been it's been um, very much next weekend. But I don't think there's much to write home about for the team as a whole because they've just sort of floundered around the back. I'd expect the same sort of thing tomorrow. They could probably argue with one of the Alfa Romeos, if not both, if they drop back like they typically do. Um, and, I mean, I don't think half so much of a threat. But, um, yeah, I, I think it'll be quite a lonely race for Williams tomorrow. They'll they'll probably have a bit of fun with each other. Um, but I imagine George, even though he said he's not thinking about Mercedes, come on, he's thinking about Mercedes. He's... He's he's you know he's he's probably investing quite a bit of uh, of of prep into into next year, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. He's obviously wanting to make a career out of what he's doing, and he's got the best opportunity by going into what is arguably the best team. Um, so yeah, I mean, fair play to him um, if he's just calling things off and and. Um, you know, just just doing what he needs to do to see the season out. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing at all. Um, as for as for Latifi, I mean, he's effectively adopting that team leader role with with Williams next year. I mean, a lot of like you know, Albon's going in. Albon's obviously driven for you know, um, arguably the other best team on the grid. But um, I think Nick will be he'll be he'll be a good sort of you know team leader. He's got a very mature head on head on his shoulders now. He's um, he's Again, same as Lance. I used to give him a bit of grief, but he's come good. Um, so I don't really have anything bad to say about him. I don't think he's a future world champion, but I do expect, you know, if Williams can perform in the future, I would expect him to, to you know, fight for, you know, top fives, maybe the old podium. But, you know, as for this weekend, not looking down the road. Um, yeah, probably a bit of a miserable, lonely weekend for Williams. And I imagine they'll be doing what a lot of the other teams will be doing now, which is, you know, full steam ahead for 2022. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I, uh, as I imagine most of our listeners will be aware, Williams actually won't be partaking in the end of the season tests. So um, um, focusing on 2022 is going to be um, a huge um, priority for them if, if they are still be fairly competitive or move up the grid. Um, anyway, so P18, Kimi Raikkonen went for a spin, as I think, but um, Tom, he still managed to finish ahead of both horses, uh, Schumacher in 19th and Mazepin, obviously, in 20th, finishing just over a minute, um, almost being lapped. Uh, was probably not actually too far off, considering he was 67 seconds off the lead and um, well, it takes about a minute, minute 13, <laughs> sort of on average to get round. So, uh, probably wasn't too far off, but you know, that's um, did we just give Kimmy credit for finishing ahead of both house cars despite spinning? Yeah, I think we have to give him that's, a look. Mm, that's that's like giving someone credit for breathing, you know, it's a you know, well done, you've done something that was there's almost impossible to not do um yeah no Kimmy 
he's mentally checked out. He knows he's probably not going to get any points. Mexico was a nice surprise for him. Um, but realistically, is he going to get anything else this season? No. Is he going to get anything this weekend? No. Is he going to get lapped? Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, yeah, he, he he's just, you know, he said it himself, it's a hobby. Um, you know, quite an expensive hobby, quite a nice hobby to have. But, um, yeah, you know, he's not fighting for anything. You know, Alfa Romeo aren't going to overtake Williams in the championship. And unless there is some divine intervention, they're not going to get overtaken by Haas on points. Um, you know, it, unless there is a glitch in the matrix, they're going to stay where they are. They're going to stay ninth. Um, they are ninth, aren't they? Um, I believe so. <laughs> Put my foot yeah. in it. Um, yeah, so they're going to stay ninth. They're not going to move up. They're not going to move down. They might get a point, which would be nice if it happens. But he's not going to be fighting for anything of any significance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kimmy, right? The way he was driving today, it was like someone who was just like, "Oh, cool! I'm going to go drive around Brazil in my company car." Um, you know, check out the sites, go drive past the lake. I'm surprised he didn't set up a set up a chair like Alonso did a few years ago and go fishing or something because he was just he was just sort of like dawdling round. Bit of a clumsy move on Giovinazzi, I'd say. You know, he rather squeezed Alonso, who backed out, didn't see that Gio was there, and so, and you know, it's the cardinal rule in F1: you don't crash into your teammate. Just ask Hamilton, and um, and 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 it's just you know, it's just. You know, it, it, everything about his demeanour, about the way he is on the radio, I know he's a man of few words opposite of me. Um, and he, he is, I, I think he's just like beyond ready to call it a day. He's probably just looking forward to Abu Dhabi when he can finish that race if he doesn't retire. And then in true Kimi style, he's just going to have all the drink. I'm sure he's, he's absolutely looking forward to it. Uh, Steve, we'll finish off the sprint race by talking about the, the two horses. I mean, what what can you say? Um, <laughs> we're with so many races into the season. I feel like we're probably repeating ourselves in every race that's going on. Uh, but Haas, where you'd expect them to be at the very back, not competitive at all, and finishing well. Mick Schumacher finished eleven seconds behind a spinning Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I've figured it out, actually. I, I think I've figured out why they're so slow. They don't have money to afford Ferrari power units, so what they've got in the back of each house under the engine cover is three of their mechanics with a loudspeaker making engine noises with a hole cut out in the floor for their feet. Um, it's just... It, it, this is right down there in terms of embarrassing displays with MasterCard Lola. And if you're listening and you're not old enough to remember that or you're just not familiar with it, MasterCard Lola lasted precisely one race at Melbourne in 1997, I think it was. They failed to qualify because we had the 107% rule back then and they didn't make the cut by any sort of margin. And then they shipped all their gear to Brazil where it remains today because they never raced again. And in fact, some of the team equipment is actually still in storage at a site not far away from the circuit itself. So if you're in Brazil and you know where it is, please try and find me a nose cone or something so I can put it up on my wall as an ornament. Anyway, um, Haas, 
yeah, just they'll finish about where they are at the moment. Um, one thing I did want to address is obviously Mazepin was quite upset at the end of, uh, I think it was it was Q1 um, on, uh, on Friday. It's very easy to, to throw rocks at Mazepin and for the vast majority of it, I... I, I, I wouldn't say he deserves it, but he, he can expect it for the sort of character that he is. He hasn't really shown himself to be a decent person at all. I stand by that. However, um, he, you know, that was an effort that he put in that obviously meant a lot to him. Whether that was his mistake or not, I will let you decide. Um, but there were some pretty unfortunate comments directed his way that I saw yesterday. I think it's, I don't think those were entirely necessary. He was obviously very upset after what he thought was a very good performance. Again, whether you agree with that or not, I beg to differ. Um, but yeah, and you know, with with that in mind, I think um, you know some of the rock throwing is unnecessary, and that that was. Um, if you want to, you know, question his character, I would actually use the stuff that he's done, which is uh, you know far less savoury um, as uh, as ammunition because, you know, he's a, he's a public figure. He is a Formula One driver. I personally don't think he belongs there. And, you know, you know, drivers do need to be held accountable for their actions. But making fun of a driver for being clearly upset over um, something like that, I, I'm not sure is, is the right thing to do. Um, you know, he's, uh, you know, we've, we've got, Sort of, you know, plenty of evidence of his character, and 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 you know, with uh, with many other, you know, many other ways. So, um, yeah, bit of a bit of a weird weekend for for Mazepin. I think um, it's it's very likely that the just the lack of pace out of that car is starting to to get under his skin. And you know, regardless of who he is, I can't blame him. If I drove a car that was that far off the pace, I'd probably be quite you know pissed off as well. Um, Mick has obviously retained his composure a lot more this season, but I can't imagine either of those guys are having a huge amount of fun. This is do or die now for Haas. If that car doesn't improve or isn't capable of moving up the grid um, at all next year, then I think we can see that. I wouldn't be surprised if that team packed their bags midway through. Because um, like, if, they, if they're getting performances like this next year in the first few races, then... Gene Haas will either pull the pin all together or he'll sell it off to Mazepin's dad and that'll become Mazepin F1 or whatever they're going to call it. So, yeah, it's looking very, very dire. Um, they've been in, they've been no threat to anyone for the entire season. Um, yeah, really, really sad to see a, uh, a grid slot or two grid slots taken up by a car that's just um, has no right to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Uh, what what you said about the sort of the drivers being frustrated about you know being so far at the back, I can imagine for any sportsman because they're there to win. Like every every driver's there, they're not there to take part. They're here, they're there to win, and they want to yeah. win. And having you know, Mick has just come off you know an F two World Championship, and now you know really you know at the back, and then Nikita Mazepin also not only being in a very slow car, but then also really not having even the pace to match his teammate on any weekend. He's failed to beat Mick in any session, bar there being some sort of abnormal incident, like a crash or something. He's... Like yeah. Monaco, for example. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. 
he's he's actually I think they they said in the free practice too on the commentary that he's actually been last in every session bar an anomaly sort of as a you know as a crash or a or a failure yeah. or something that's happened yeah. and that is the, the thing that's concerning with this as well is like you like you make a really good point like we've got the F2 world champion in a car that would probably struggle to keep up with an F2 car at some circuits it's that slow um, and it's just not a good look like it, the the idea with these you know um, you know smaller teams is to like well I'm well, not the idea but the, the the common outcome is that they will bring in new talent from F2 or wherever they've come from to you know to start making roads in in Formula One and that, like that's just that so Haas is basically a revolving door of misery and and just non performance like that people gave Grosjean crap and and Magnussen crap and you know look at what they're doing in IMSA and IndyCar and that sort of thing they are phenomenal drivers they just did not have the tools to actually show how good they were and they got frustrated they started making mistakes they start tripping each other up it all turns to custard and you know everyone laughs at them as they leave it's just like these are not these are not the sort of cars you want to see in Formula One and it's not the sort of performance you'd expect for a Formula One car it's just it's it's you know it's got to be embarrassing for Formula One and for Liberty Media and that sort of thing to have a basically have a mean team um we've had uh, we've had teams where you know that perform poorly but there've always been one or two other teams that would you know that would give them the opportunity to fight and actually you know give those drivers in those cars an opportunity to show their actual like you know wheel skills but they've neither of those two have had the opportunity to do that and whilst i maintain that one of them may not necessarily deserve to be in formula 1 how can you possibly prove anyone wrong with a car like that yeah uh, it does make things incredibly dif- uh, difficult, um, and hope they can only hope that Haas' decision not to develop this car at all throughout this season, bar any sort of uh, late upgrades from the from the twenty twenty season, um, is going to pay off. Because if it doesn't, then that is it's a huge error on the part of Haas if they if they're not able to um, to even look remotely competitive. Um, next season. Louis, I just want to jump in on what Steve said there. I, I, I appreciate that we're going to go in over old ground and I'm conscious I don't want to take up too much more time with this. But I just want to echo everything Steve said, specifically about Mazepin. Yes, we've in the past we've talked about the reasons he's in F1 and perhaps um, not being quite as deserving of a seat as some of the drivers. I'm trying to be as sort of impartial on this as possible. Regardless of your feelings of if if he should be in F1 or if he should, should not be in F1, he is in F1, okay? And no amount of saying we say no to Mazepin signing petitions on change.org or anything is going to change that. He is staying in this team. He is staying here next year. His dad has a significant financial involvement in the team and that's not changing. I don't agree with it, but it is what it is. And... It, <laughs> Like Steve said, the car that they've got is woeful. Steve, you you said about some other teams in the past where they've been dying at the back of the group. They've had other teams around them fighting. So the 2010 to 2012 springs to mind with the likes of HRT and Virgin Racing sort of being around. That kind of year is what springs to mind. 
Look at some of the drivers we had there. Daniel Ricciardo started the season midway through in that HRT team. Look at how well he turned out. And an, another point that that we raised was about the was about this year. Those two drivers cannot show their ability, and that is absolutely true. And it, for them, it must be absolutely soul destroying to know that they're getting into a car which is they know they're going to be laps two, maybe three times in a race, maybe even four times if it's that bad, which could maybe even happen this weekend because Brazil is quite a short lap and quite a quick lap. Um, Just give them a break. I know Mazepin doesn't have a squeaky clean history, right? We all know what happened with him in the offseason last year, and I'm not saying it's okay. Nobody is. But seeing how genuinely obsessed he was at the end of Q1, that was him opening up. That was him showing that he does have an emotional side and that he is trying. He does care what he's doing. Let's just give him a bit of a break. He's not, you know, we know, really, he's not going to be world champion. We know that. He'll do a couple of seasons and then he'll probably be off once money moves elsewhere or, or what have you. But whilst he's here, give him a bit of support. He's racing against Michael Schumacher's son, who is going to be taking all the limelight. And that's painting him out to be a worse person and a worse driver than I think he actually is. Yes, I have spoken about how some of his on-track actions leave me sort of almost worried, and I I do still stand by that. But he was on for a good lap in Q1 yesterday, and he I would go as far as to say he was beginning to outdrive that car's capabilities because the car gave up on him, effectively. That's what happened. Well, that's only what it looked like to me. Again, I'm no professional. But just lay off the guy a bit. Let him let him do his thing on track and just 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 ease off just just give him a bit of support and hopefully the Haskar can be a bit better next year if it doesn't they'll either be swallowed up by Ferrari and turned into a full sort of development team a bit like Alpha Tauri or they're going to become Russian sponsored or, or a Russian state team and you know, Russian state athletes haven't had the best history in the past. We only need to look at the doping from the from the Olympics, but uh, but you know, just he's here and he's trying to do a job. Imagine if you were that person jumping into a car because the step from an F two to an F one car is a huge step. They are such a different beast. They're so much heavier. They take so much more critical thinking whilst you're driving. You know, it's not just like altering brake balance. It's altering um, a hybrid settings. It's altering the energy recovery. It's also altering kinetic settings. And he's got he's got people like Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen coming up behind him. And whilst he's trying to get to grips with what he's doing, he's also he's also got to be thinking, okay, I've got someone who's fighting for a world championship coming, you know, coming up screaming behind me, and I need to find a place to get out of the way. It's not easy, and just let's just give let's just give him a bit of support. Yeah, I'm um, to echo um, what you've um, what you've both said, and I think in terms, you know, these days when we talk about well, mental health is such a more openly discussed topic. You got to understand that 
you strive as human beings at the end of the day and it takes an incredible amount of mental toughness to even be able to compete on a on a level like Formula One never mind you know have it when you've got the entire world on your back but um, we'll, mo- we'll now move away from the sprint race and look um, towards uh, tomorrow's actual race um, so we'll start with the, the podium predictions um, for tomorrow's race um, Steve do you want to kick us off what who's going to be on the podium for you tomorrow? I have a terrible feeling that Bottas and Max might might come together. Um, if they don't, um, I I'm not sure Carlos has got the the, uh, the the overall race pace to stay there, and that's not his fault. That's the car. Um, I'm going to say Bottas, Max, Lewis third. I reckon. I reckon it's possible. After what we saw today, he could finish a minute up the road in first place tomorrow. I, I don't know, but I'm going to be conservative and say Valtteri, Max, Lewis in that order. Okay. Tom? Maybe it's the match that's in front of me, but I think Max is going to learn from what happened today. I think he's going to get into P1. He's going to sail off. And I think Hamilton is going to... I'm going to be boring... I think Hamilton is going to side through the field. I think he's going to get past Perez with DRS down the main straight. And I think Mercedes are then going to switch positions. And I think we'll have Verstappen, Hamilton, and then Bottas on the podium. Well, we're all going with a similar theme. We're all going handbot there. But I'm going to, I'm going to do a different... <laughs> the only other choice for a top three. I'm actually going to have... I, th- I reckon... Mercedes' strategy tends to be flawless. They've had their hiccups now and again, but I'm going to go with Lewis Hamilton. He's going to win this race. Um, I'm going to then put Valtteri Bottas in second and I'm going to have Max Verstappen in third. I think it may be, I may have overshot my bold prediction already, but that, that's just honestly my opinion. And that's not even with Lewis Hamilton bias because I'm not even a Lewis Hamilton fan. So um, <laughs> um, now we go on to our bold predictions. I may have jumped the gun, as I said, but uh, Steve, bold prediction for tomorrow's race. Uh, I think, I'm not sure if you count this as a bold prediction or not, but I think this will be the race that determines the outcome of third place. And I think it'll be Ferrari. I think they've just got, they've they've taken a decent chunk, chunk out of McLaren now. And I think that um, this is where that, that fight will swing heavily in their favour. I'm just, I've, I've got an odd feeling that Norris will either struggle or just sort of loiter about where he is at the moment and both Ferraris will, you know, progress further down the road. Um, and Ricardo, I don't know if he's that much of a threat tomorrow, but I'll happily be proven wrong as I'm a more of a McLaren fan than I am a Ferrari fan. But that is my bold prediction if you want to count that as one. If you want a really straightforward one, Seb for points points um tom uh this is a bold prediction isn't it yeah um sorry i i was thinking that i completely zoned out i'm quite tired um mclaren get no constructors points and ferrari extend their lead over them Um, mine my, my, I was going to go with Latifi to, to finish ahead of Russell again I'm going to, I'm going to say he's going to have the, que- the clean sleep clean sheet over Russell um, 
at this weekend, I reckon he's I reckon he's gonna do it and it's gonna be um he's gonna stoke all the rumors for Latifi to Mercedes once Lewis Hamilton resigns. <laughs> but um so that's that's all from us today. Um if you are watching the show live you'll know that we live stream all our shows but if you are listening to it after we've already published it just know that we do live stream all of our shows so if you subscribe to the f1 grid talk podcast on youtube you get to see all the shows as they're made and you can also ask us questions in the comments for the after show um so make sure to subscribe and check that out we're also available on spotify apple music on uh, Am- amazon music google Podcasts, pocket cast on studio verbal as well as the f1 chronicle website just search for the f1 grid talk podcast we have an absolutely massive back catalog of shows you know this is episode 150 so if you are stuck for something to listen to well between now and, and the race tomorrow um we have tons of shows for you to listen to not just um race and qualifying reviews but we also have interviews with uh, mario zola from pirelli as well as more documentary style shows about Tigate, um, Ayrton Senna, and the 1994 Benson's Conspiracy. So uh, feel free to check them out. Uh, we also have a Patreon, so if you'd like to support the podcast and help towards better light, uh, better mics, lights, and better recording equipment for our host, any support is greatly appreciated. Uh, also, if you give us a five-star review on iTunes, then you'll get a shout-out on our next show. Any feedback um, on our podcast is great, so um, please... If you do have time to leave us a five-star review, that is that would just be amazing. Um, now it's time to hear from uh, Tom and Steve, uh, where you can see more from them. So, Tom, take it away. Yes, yeah, so I'm part of the Everything F1 team. Uh, you can find us on uh, God, where we, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all, all that good stuff. Um, on Instagram, we are at Everything F1 underscore. Um, on Facebook, we have a Facebook page, which you can find Everything F1. We have our group, which is the Everything F1 Paddock. We have our YouTube channel, which we've recently relaunched and is growing nicely, which is Everything F1. Then we also have our website, which, as you might have guessed, is everythingf1.com. And last, but by no means least, we have our podcast, which is the Everything F1 podcast, which is available on Apple, Spotify, um, Amazon Music, our websites, all your favourite podcasting locations. And Steve? Formula Shakedown, Facebook, join. It's good. It's Formula One stuff. Um, I'm actually going to use uh, use this if I can do a bit of a shout-out of my own, actually. Um, and it's for a bloke on two wheels, but he has tested in Formula One cars three times before. Um, Valentino Rossi, after 432 Grand Prix starts, 199 podiums and 115 wins, 89 of them in the Premier class, he is hanging up his boots and helmet this weekend at Valencia. So if you are a MotoGP fan, you will probably be crying with me um, at around 3 tomorrow tomorrow morning New Zealand time. Um, if you're not a MotoGP fan, watch it anyway because it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Um, this is history. He's, do- he's been doing this, this for 
for 26 years or something stupid like that. He's um, he's basically as old as MotoGP is. Um, he's been around since the the modern format began. So, um, yeah, it's incredible to think it's ending. He isn't giving up racing altogether. He's off to race GT cars next year for Ferrari or Porsche or whoever wants him. I think anyone will happily take him just for the publicity alone. But um, he he almost did a switch to Formula One back in 2011 for Ferrari as well. That was a, that was something that almost came to fruition. It was very close to becoming reality. So um, he's a he's a phenomenal human being. And um, yeah, for one last time, Forza Valley. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely um, go along with that. I was I was very lucky enough to see. Um, Valentino's very last British Grand Prix at Silverstone this year, um, which was an absolute pleasure to to witness. And um, yeah, he, he is such an icon of MotoGP. Um, so yeah, the the race is a bit later than than usual, especially for us in Europe. So definitely, um, definitely check that out. Um, but thank you, Tom and Steve, for for joining me today. Pleasure as well. Thank you. Um, so we'll be back at tomorrow at 8 p.m uk time um to review the actual sao paulo grand prix race um not the sprint race qualifying whatever this is so um thank you so much for watching or listening um make sure to join us tomorrow goodbye <laughs>